Hey there, you're listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, your joyologist, Trisha Huffman. Today's episode is a conversation with my friend, Sophie Jaffe. She is uh, an entrepreneur. She runs her own superfood brand called Philosophy, which is, I honestly love not just saying that because she's my friend. (laughs) She's a wellness influencer. She's a mother of three kids. They all do castings and auditions for print work and ad work living in LA. We talk about all sorts of things. As in all of these conversations, I expand upon their story, how they got to where they are and how they deal with the day to day, the good, the stressful, all of it. You know, we touch on balance the idea of busyness and how we reframe that, how she's intentional with everything she does. I really, again, as you'll see with all these conversations, talk about so, so, so much. So here we go. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Trisha. (laughs) So you and I have known each other now for several years. Pre your babies. Pre my babies. You had little babies. I lived in LA. Yeah. But the funny thing is is that we really only hung out in real life still, probably less than 10 times. Probably like less than 20. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But you feel like... (laughs) We're sisters. Yeah, exactly. Which is like so funny. We don't even like talk on the phone that That much. much or like anything. It's just this connection, which I think is the most beautiful thing. It's amazing. It's amazing when you know and when you just feel comfortable with someone and like they're... There's nothing that needs to be said that we don't already know and feel. And I think that when we are together, it's so quality. Or when we are on a phone call, we like can just drop right in. Yeah, because they're both just only, I feel like, know how to be our real selves. (laughs) And since we have that in each other, then it's just like, okay, cool. There is no BS to get beyond. Exactly. I love it. But in that, I don't even know a lot of your story in some ways. Like I do, but not all. So that's what's exciting about having these conversations. Okay. So I know that you moved here after high school or college. Is that right? Because your dad lived here. Exactly. Did your dad always live here? Did you grow up visiting LA? I did. So my dad moved to LA when I was 12. He might've moved a little sooner, but my first visit to LA was when I was 12. Were your parents, is that when your parents separated? My parents separated when I was six, divorced when I was eight. And I, he was still in the D.C. area then, and I grew up in D.C., and then my mom moved us around after they divorced, and we moved to North Carolina and then back up to D.C., and by the time we moved back up to D.C., he had fallen in love with my now stepmom. She lived in L.A. He was in D.C., and they kind of split it for a while, and then he moved to L.A. And was he always... A filmmaker? He yeah. is a documentary? He's been a documentary filmmaker but since... He, okay, but he did that in D.C. Yeah. Because I was like... Yeah, it seems like he would live, it, like, of course, but I guess documentaries. Well, Geographic's like, there. So National Geographic is in D.C. That's their headquarters. So he worked for Geographic a lot and then did his own projects. And then, you know, he moved to L.A., but it's like, this isn't like the hub for documentaries. Yeah. It's more Hollywood. You just think film industry. Exactly. L.A. Exactly. Maybe New York, but even more. Okay, exactly. so you did then from the age of 12 would come out here and visit him. I came from 12 on. My first trip was like a big extravagant birthday trip. It was, I think it was my 12th birthday and a limousine picked me up from the airport. Oh, nice. I was by Touch. myself. Picked up in a limousine. It had one of those. So like, he didn't come. Yeah, he sent the limo. He sent the limo. Car phone. Um, they called me right when I got into the car and they're like, so 
Uh, and we went to Disneyland. We went shopping. It was just like a real quintessential like California. And just LA. you by yourself. Just me that trip. You do have. I have a little brother. Brothers. Same parents? I don't remember. Yep. We have the same mom and dad. I have an older sister who's a half sister on my mom's side. On your birth mom's side? My birth mom. So we share the same mom. Oh. But my dad raised her from when she was five. Okay. So they're very close. That's why I was a little confused because she's out here. She's here. She's here to be close to me. So when I got married to Adi... She moved here like she just came for the wedding and was kind of like in between lives and living. And then she just kind of stayed. Her friend's apartment opened up in West Hollywood. It was um, rent controlled and super, super affordable in the heart of West Hollywood. So she moved in and she hasn't left since. And we got married almost 10 years ago. She's still in that same. She's still in the same place. It's still rent controlled. (laughs) It's Amazing. Amazing. I hope. I'm like, I hope it's a great place. It's she's not just like, it's amazing. No, no, no. It's amazing. She loves it. It's yeah, she's made the, her own little little oasis. It's so beautiful. She everything she touches turns to gold. She's just she's an artist, so it's just amazing. So yeah, so I came out here when I was 12 for the first time. And then basically from 12 to 18, I would come out four to five times a year to visit with my brother. I'd sometimes bring a girlfriend from high school or middle school and um, yeah, we would come and just mostly do normal things. But if I had a friend with me, then we would, you know, I'd come out for Thanksgiving. I'd come out for summer break. I'd come out for Passover and sometimes one other time. And I, you know, it was just, it was a really amazing way to grow up because I was very grounded in my home in Maryland and went to the same middle school, high school called Boonesboro, which is a really small town, had one traffic light at the time. And I really had that small town feel growing up. But I was born in D.C. and had an edge and traveled internationally where most of my friends from high school didn't even had, – had never been on a plane. And I had been traveling since I was little. Was that with your dad or your mother was the tra- loved to travel as well? Um, I mostly traveled with my dad. Yeah. I traveled some with my mom, but mostly my dad. Yeah. He'd go to f- cool, exotic places and I would go visit and meet him. I mean, that was really – that's always been my link to my dad is – he he is so passionate about his job more than anything else. That's his that's his everything, his heart, his passion. So that's my way of connecting to him. So he'd like fly me to somewhere he was doing a film. Where he was on location. Exactly. Very cool. So we'd get the adventure and the experience, but also get to bond with him and see him in his element. So yeah, so it was a really interesting kind of dichotomy and living not parallel lives, but just having like both. It was like West Coast, East Coast, city country, small town, big, you know, it was like very diverse. And did you ever feel like I want to just always live in LA or were you happy with like, I'm on the East coast and I get to go be like, have this sort of glamorous. I love the split. I I'm very much, I've like, haven't found the words and how to fully verbalize it. Like I go to write a blog post or I go to write an Instagram caption all the time about both. And like, I'm both. I'm so many things and I'm both. I'm just very, you know, like in in school at UCLA, my neuroscience class teacher used to say, we're 100% nurture and 100% nature. Like we're both. It's not one or the other. We're not 50-50. We're 100% nature, 100% nurture. And I'm like 100% of both, 100% East Coast and West Coast. My mom, my dad, city, country, like love to dress up, love to be like in my pajamas. I'm a stay-at-home mom a lot, 
100% of the time and I'm 100% full on run my own company entrepreneur. Like I am full on in so many different things. And yes, sometimes that does feel a little bit of split, but when I really sink into it and I I don't have to choose, yeah. I love both. Yeah. I get that. And that was reminding me of how I feel about the word balance. And like, so, so often I feel like there's weight on, we have to balance in our life or work and play life or with working moms and being at home. And I was just like, I like, I feel like balance shows up as a 50, 50. And like, I don't know if that's, it's just like balance is wherever you feel great. And every day that changes. And that could be, yeah. And it could be like, wow. So that was a week where I was just home with the kids. And then there was a week where you're like so focused on your work and then whatever. And it's just like the balance is just. It comes to you. Contentment and alive, like feeling alive and content at the same time. Exactly. Like that's the balance. I feel alive and content. (laughs) Exactly. And I think for each person that's different. And for, for me, I like like. My girlfriend, Rochelle, yesterday was said that she visited her friend who just had a baby. And she's like, I feel like Sophie has so much going on. And like, it, like it's even with what happened with Noah last week, like she's like, wow. And Rochelle was like, she thrives in it though. She loves it. Like, and it's true. I, this may change given the phases of my life and that we all go through different phases. But since I was young, I like having a lot going on. Yeah, I had four jobs from when I was 13 years old. Like I love to be of service. I love to do a lot. I love to be busy in a good way, in a fulfilling way. Like I've been trying to replace the word busy with full, like everything's just full. Yeah. Only because I feel like people get caught up in words and busy has a negative connotation. You know me, I'm like more big about choice of words. And that's what I shifted busy from. I think full was usually my choice in that last year as well. I think is when I took, yeah, switch the busy and that, yeah, I try to be really, really intentional. Because I'm life. not busy. I'm busy to me is like just doing stuff to fill up time. I have re- like every single thing I'm doing fulfills me in a different way. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. But I also that's what I crave. Like we maybe all have different like capacities and like this is me feeling full is this much stuff. But also like whoever said, wow, it seems like Sophie has so much going on. Like they're not living. They don't know in your house and in your life that like you do share a lot on social media. So it could show up like, wow, Sophie, wow. Oh my gosh, this traumatic thing. And then she's at this big thing. And so it does seem like you are doing a lot, being a lot in the world all the time, but it's like, they don't see the naps. They don't see yeah. the downtime. They don't see the like 16 hours. I'm not on social media in a day. Like they don't see yeah. that other. That's yeah. Cause it's just like, that's, they're just like, downloading oh that's yeah. Sophie oh wow Sophie again oh Sophie oh, like you're whatever. all over the place like no that was actually from two weeks ago I just had to post today <laughs> because that was the approved day like you know like it's it's funny like it the all of it is it's all a version of what someone's and I'm not trying to like hide anything it's just that I can't possibly share there's not a constant camera on me at all times so the reality is that I have a very I work the best I can to balance and find ways to be a part of the world and find things that fill me up and bring me extreme joy. And I'm actually very much a homebody. Like I work from home. I play from home. I'm, I'm home. Like 85% of my life is at home, which is, I feel so grateful for. I'm so lucky to have the luxury to do that. And I love to fill up too and get charged up from others and love going to events and stuff. If it's the right type of people. And my current kind of intention is everything having an intention. So 
whatever it is. If I go out on date night and we're going to happy hour to a bar, I'm going to set an intention and I'm going to really like be intentional about that practice, about that ritual of like being together and sharing space and having a drink. Because I feel so lucky to even be out with my husband. We have three kids and busy lives. Like for me, it's if I can find intention in every single thing, then it becomes so much more fulfilling. Yeah, I was actually going to, I'm going to get back to like your story. But one of the questions I was going to ask you is that in the in the position that you've created for yourself now and built up that a lot of your life work comes from, you are invited to a lot of events of cool stuff, come to this dinner, do this, speak on this panel and that. And that like, I'm guessing at first that might've been really exciting and that now it still is exciting, but also like a lot because there's so many and that you want to be there, but not to like, how do you choose which ones you go to? But then once you choose, there's also the space of, oh, I said yes to this because I do like that company or those people or that mission. But now, oh my, like overwhelmed. So like, what are the practices that you do to make sure that you are present and like being intentional while you're there? I think that the cool thing also about sharing so fully on my podcast, on my social, everything by being so transparent in all areas, I, there's no hiding and I have to hold myself accountable. So if I'm looking at an event or looking at a a dinner or a party or a gathering or a dinner with, with friends, whatever it is, if I look at it and it feels depleting, which can change minute to minute. Yeah. If it feels depleting, I'm not going to go. And I can feel it right away. It's like, Ooh, I really want to go to that event. I went to an event last week. I invited a girlfriend, but I was invited by myself. I knew nobody at the event other than the friend that I ended up bringing last minute. I knew I wanted to go because it was at in the middle of the day at the sky bar by the the Mondrian by the pool. I already saw myself the week before and I got so excited. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go lay in the sun period. Like that's all I wanted to do. I didn't care about the event. I didn't care about the people I showed up, but I knew that it would fill me up. And that's exactly what I got out of it because I was intentional. I went, said hi to the two people I was supposed to say hi to and laid down the rest of the time in a chair, like total white trash, like pulling my like jeans down and unbuttoning that. Like I just needed, I needed that. And I knew that I needed that. So it filled me up. It wasn't exactly the way that other people did it. They were all selfies and posing and like, and I wasn't in the mood to do that. I got what I needed from it. And I did a, a, you know, a quick post, but like the point is everything can deplete you or add to your life, fill you up with joy, fill your cup. And every day my cup, it, you know, I wake up and sometimes it's really depleted and sometimes it's already really full. And so I can give a lot more to my kids and my life and my employees and my friends. Other days I'm not, and I need yeah. more. So I have to shift things around sometimes in the moment. That's what I say. So what happens on one of those days? Cause it is where it's like, you might've replied yes last week to an event. And now you're just like, oh my gosh, I woke up depleted and I'm there. Sounds overwhelming. Yeah. But it's something like, do you, are you, have you gotten to a place now where you feel okay backing out of an event with integrity? 100%. And then, so that's great. And I want to ask you about that. But then also, what do you do in the times where you're like, no, I know I need to show up. So what am I going to do to put myself in the place that? Totally. Those are both great questions. So the first one is, yes, I actually have close to zero shame now. There's still a little bit if, you know, if I feel like they're going to be upset or something, but I do if I can, which is most of the time, show up, be it write a really honest email. Look, 
I'm really depleted. I'm really tired. Mom life has got me going like da 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 in a million different directions. I haven't had help. Whatever the reason is, I tell the truth. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really bummed and sorry, but I can't. And, you know, I can't wait to be at the next one. Let me know if there's anything I can do to support you. So sometimes I'm like, oh, great. This is the product that we were actually pushing because it's a launch. Can we send it to you? Yeah, I'll do a post for you. Whatever it is, like it's all energy. They want something from me to come to the event, right? It's not just that they want my like face at a table to eat their food. Like there's something they're wanting to launch or share. How can I give back? And that way it's not about that. They, you know, there's probably something in that gift bag they want me to be using or so what can I do to kind of make it even? Or they were hoping you were going to be there and share. I'm here at this event with these people. So yeah. Okay. How can I also recreate that? And sometimes they're just annoyed and then it's done. And then it is what it is. I did my part. I kept my side of the street clean by being honest and saying, what can I do to make it up to you? The second thing, and like even like Expo West, I was supposed to um, do a live with a bar, this pure organic bar. And they, I had the flu. I was, uh, me and Noah had the flu and were diagnosed two days before Expo West. Old me would have laid in bed until Friday and then pushed myself and gone. New me, not a chance. I'm not leaving my baby who has the flu and or myself. I'm not going out into this environment of Expo West, which is frantic and insane. I canceled right away, told everyone on my team, I'm done, I'm done. And they were understanding and also wanted me to then like do a make good for it. Great, no problem. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to show up in the world is responsible. Yeah. So that was that. Second part of your question is if I, ha- if I don't feel like I can cancel, I need to show up for whatever reason. I should. If it's out of integrity to cancel, mm-hmm. that's not should. Okay. <laughs> should fuck the shoulds it's out of integrity in my character to cancel I don't feel like I can hang up but I'm not mentally there how do you get yourself to be mentally there depends how much time I have <laughs> let's say I have 45 minutes because in my world that's probably a reality I don't have four hours before something to get into the headspace um so if it's in my integrity to that I must go to this event and like it'll be good for me for whatever reason meditation is a really quick, easy way to just like reset space, going for a walk, putting my phone down, just getting outside for a minute, just moving my body and just physically moving through it. Maybe 10 minutes of like shaking to music, dancing, some like kind of free range. It's amazing. Like how much, yeah. Just like putting music on and just like letting your body like shit. It's not even like dance. Yeah. But like, I love the shaking. It's just like gets it out. It just tells me what to do. Sometimes it turns it. It gets into yoga and yeah. like me doing weird yoga moves on my floor, yeah. like half naked as I'm getting ready to get in the shower. <laughs> um, a shower can be really cleansing and a reset. Um, yeah, like that's really like my go-tos. And then if I had longer, I would go to yoga. Like last night I was in a serious funk and I knew that I had to be present to my family in a D and that this week was not going to start out well if I didn't take care of myself. So a D was like, go to yoga. And I went to this really vibey yoga class and that's, you know, that's more like an hour and a half with drive time. I don't always have the luxury to do that. It did reset me big time. It peeled away so many layers. But if I don't have that kind of luxury, then I create space by just peeling away the layers in that way. Like moving my body is usually the most. And then also showering and like that cleansing of the water kind of I can meditatively allow the water to kind of peel away some of what I'm feeling and the frustrations and and then show up differently. Like I want to be present to whatever it is. I want to be present. And the reason I didn't want to go is because I didn't think I could be present. I was trying to be in my integrity by not going. But if I feel like I have to, for whatever reason, then I can show up and I don't want to like 
force myself to do something I don't want to do. I want to be present and enjoy myself. So shaking it off really helps. Yeah. In my Be Your Own Joyologist course, I always talk about like being a responsible flake. Whereas so many of us are, you know, like we say yes to things because we want to show up for people. We want to be there, whatever. And then something comes like so often, I feel like we fill up our schedule. We say yes to things we want to do, but then the reality is we're humans and we get worn out by life, by our jobs, whatever. And so then I have also in training the people of like, you don't have to say yes or no. What if you just allowed yourself to say like, wow, that sounds amazing. I don't know how I'm going to feel that day. Can I let you know closer? Or, you know, like, is it okay if I just give you a maybe? Like, so allowing that space to be like, you don't actually even have to say yes or no. Like to some of these people, they probably do, they need an RSVP, but just even if you like it, I feel like it feels more freeing to just be like, yes, I'm so hoping to make it, but you're like, you know, just like creating a space for yourself, even that like, I'm allowed to then come back and say no. If I, like, and we're talking about then I'm talking about even somebody's birthday party or like somebody's like, we're going to go, I'm t- it's my, what, you know, we're celebrating this. And you're like, ah, oh, bars, that's not my thing anymore, but I want to support them. Allow the space for there to be a yes or a no. Yeah. My go-to is just, I'll do the best I can to be there. Yeah. I'll do the best I can to be there. And I really will. I really will do my best to be there. That's great. And then for me too, when I find myself in a, I said yes to something, but now you're just like, even if it was initially a want, I'm just like, oh my gosh, no, I can't do it. Then I will go because I don't, you know, like, and you started to say the should, I don't ever want to live from a place of should. I banished the word should. So then like, how can I make this a want? Like, I want to show up for that person. I want to be there. I want to meet, you know, like there could be somebody there that I could really connect with. So I want to go put myself there, but I also then give myself like how you went to the event where just like, I'm just going to say hi to two people and then lay there. Then like, I'm allowed to go and be there for 15 minutes. It's up to you. And if this could be like, wow, I like this and enjoy it. That's cool. If not, you'd be like, cool, I was there. Hi, everyone. I took my picture. Exactly. <laughs> I gave I gave you the per- the person, the hug. I said, congratulations. I did that. And if you're like, still can't do it, if you're not feeling it, then go. Because also then like, nobody wants that bummed half-assed version of you that's not there and is like pissed that you're there. That's not who they invited. Yeah. <laughs> like you're bringing the event down. Like we're trying to celebrate and there's little pissy pants in the Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They want the best version of who you are. And if you're not able to give that, be authentic. Yeah. Tell the truth. Go for 10 minutes. And it, like I was going to say, it's kind of like a workout. Like when I'm really not in the mood to work out and I have to do a home workout, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it for 10 minutes. Right. And then I, it always ends up being more than 10 minutes, but it's, it's like, fine. I'll do it for 10 minutes because I want to move my body for 10 minutes. Let's see what this leads to. Yeah. It always inevitably, if I have the time, it ends up being more just like an event. Like you can see the good in almost anything. I've been to some pretty weird events. I've been to some pretty <laughs> low vibe events and there is good if you search hard enough and there's something you can get out of it. There's something you can learn. Staying curious is always really, really important, especially in those types of situations, not like being a know-it-all, not being a brat. For me, it's like, I want to stay humble and I'm so lucky to be invited to these types of things and to go and be around some really, really smart, savvy, incredible human beings. What can I learn from being here? Yeah. Okay. Let's go all the way back to what then you graduated from high school and chose to move to LA and to go to UCLA. Was that because like you already had the familiar familiarity? Were you looking at other schools or were you just like, I'm going to LA? I just wanted to come to LA. I wanted to be with my dad. I hadn't lived with my dad since I was little. And I honestly barely even remembered what that was like. So in my mind, it was like, 
it's time to live with my dad. And was he open and excited about that? Yeah. Yeah. And did you move, you moved in with him? I moved into his house with my stepmom. We lived, I lived there for a couple years and then I went to SMC first to transfer in because my credits didn't fully transfer from my first year in Maryland that I went to. I don't know what SMC is. Oh, SMC is Santa Monica College. It's like the number one transfer school for any of the UCs. If you got it are wanting to look into this or want to go back to school, SMC is a great way to kind of bridge getting into a UC system school. So I went to SMC for two years, lived in my parents' house, commuted from Hollywood, from Los Feliz, all the way to Santa Monica every day um, and had a really great experience. I loved it there. And then got into UCLA and that's when I met a D. I'm also going to stop for you. Yeah. I know that you have done like uh, auditioning. I don't know, but you know, like print work film too. I don't know what all it was. When did you start doing that? Was that right when you moved that, out here? Right when I moved out here. So my stepmom makes commercials. She's a producer. Okay. And she's like, you should just reach out to this company and just, you can literally do your homework on set and you just are background on SAG commercials oh, and they pay really well. So I'm that's like, oh, how okay. you started doing background. So that's how I started. Cause I was like, cool. I can literally be on my phone. And that you don't even really audition. Nothing. For, There's no one right? to pick you from a picture. Yeah. And they want all, all different shapes and sizes and yeah. people and colors. I had another friend that did this for a long time. Like you're just like literally like in the background, they're shooting and you just need bodies in the fill yeah. out the shot. And sometimes it's like, Hey, you need to have a certain skill. Like, uh, can you dance? Like you don't have to dance well, but like you need to be able to be comfortable dancing because this is, this is a wedding scene. It's in a ballroom. Yeah, and, and like everybody's going to be dancing club. to this song. Yeah. Be like, that's so, so you funny. have your skills and you've got your pictures and that's it. And then they pick from that people. And to be approved to be in that specific um, management company, it's a very high end because it's SAG, which is Screen Actors Guild. And that's like you get paid way better for a SAG commercial than you do for a non-union. So I was in that kind of group. So you, was that because of your stem, you got into that like, I think that the way it was, it was so long ago. I was 18, but you think you have to work three union jobs to get in the union. So it's kind of like that catch 22 of like, how do you work a union job if you're not in the union? But through background work is an easy way. Oh, got it. So like the background work, it's not even just like you're a back in background union. It's just its own. It's SAG. I mean, so you either work non-union or union and, and some and most SAG jobs you can only work. They'll take certain number of SAG backgrounds and then certain number of background that aren't union. So they're paid way less. And so there'll be like 15 of us that are the SAG union background, you know, out in like at the city hall and then you know, 150 non-unions, they can pay them way less, but then we're more in the front and center. And then from there I started getting upgraded because the director would be like, Oh, Hey, you come over here and you do this. And once the director speaks to you, you're principal. So if they directly talk to you and give you an action, or if your, your face is to the camera for three seconds in a SAG commercial, you're upgraded. So you're not even like saying anything, but it's your face is to the Literally, camera. Literally, <laughs> if your face is to the camera for three seconds, you're upgraded and you get residuals. Oh. So that's what it takes. So there's all these little tricks. And so that was my life for the first five years of being in LA was background SAG and um, nannying. I nannied for two families and school. I went to school full time. And so when did you then decide to like try to do once I was upgraded enough I was like okay 
I may as well. And I was taking acting classes the whole time I was here. I've been taking acting classes since I was little. I just love theater. I would go to camp in the Cape and like take acting classes for fun, just like you would a swim camp. Were you ever interested in like being an actor? No, I don't think it really crossed my mind. It was like, I wasn't interested in being a professional swimmer. I just took swim lessons every summer. So were you taking acting classes out here while you're in college? Was it part of college or just outside? Both. I did an acting um, class right when I moved here to meet people. And just for fun, it was like in the middle of Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard from 7 to 11 p.m. on Thursdays. And I took it for the first three years. I lived here just to meet people and it became a community and I got close with them. And then at SMC, I took an acting class because I needed an elective. And then at UCLA, I took an acting so class. So it was just fun just for part. you. It was just fun. It's just like a fun way to get out of my own way, really, because yeah. it's just fun. I'm like, I feel like that'd be fun. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm going, huh? Because I'm like, wow, it seems like somebody in L.A. taking it acting classes would want it to turn into something. I never had that intention. I never, I've never wanted to be famous. I've never wanted to be an actress. I just have fun. And when you're doing background on those shows, did you have any, did that make your mind work more? Were you just like, this is a cool way I'm making money. No, (laughs) it's good money. Honestly, it was like, cool. I'm two for one. I'm doing my homework <laughs> yeah. and getting paid to do my homework. Yeah, it was not a bad way to collect a paycheck, except it's long days. They're long days, but it's fun because I didn't really know anyone anyway. And it, you get to know like the same people are on the same jobs yeah. and you have fun together. It's like your community. It's your community. Yeah. And you can make a lot of money. Yeah. Like base rate is for eight hours. So you make like, I don't know what the rate is now, but it's like around three or $400. Just for the, that it's double, double time, then time, time and, and a half, half. Yeah. double time. <laughs> then there's like, once you hit 12 hours, you get this other huge bonus. Yeah. But that's, you were at a good age for that. Cause that's what I think. That's why when I'm saying older, cause once you get older, then you're like, okay, this is great, but I'm sitting around for all this time and I'm making this money. But like, then you start to want to be, do more. That's probably <laughs> what it took when I was in my mid twenties to finally get an agent, get a, an agent. I got a commercial agent and you know, that was a whole process. And then, yeah. So what was the commercial, get, getting the agent, getting, what do you mean by, it was a whole process? Like submitting, ha- getting headshots, then submitting them to a bunch of different great agencies. So in getting an agent, are you basically then sort of auditioning as well? Like, Hey, you, why do you want oh, me yeah. or this? And then so, 100%. so what is that? That's what I wanted to get into yeah. then. Like, so once you start, especially if you're not like, I didn't want to be famous. Yeah. You're like, Give me the money. I want to make money. And that's how you make the most money is a sad commercial. So, so, but what is that auditioning? And do you feel like since you weren't attached to being famous, like it still has to be like, this is, I'm putting in time to doing this to then not get money and to not get the job. Uh, here's the thing about me is I'm really bad at playing games. I'm really bad. Like I go to buy a car. I'm like, uh, yeah, how I'm much hoping. can you give? Like, I want to know right now and sign it, sign your name here. Like I just can't play games. So with acting, same thing. Like there's a whole game to it. My kids are child actors. Now there's a game. You're supposed to like send your agent flowers and take them to lunch. Like I don't play that shit. You're my agent. You can't see me, but my eyes are like rolling all around. Like, oh, geez. I just can't. I can't, but like, it's part of the game. So I kind of refused to play that for a while. I didn't get an agent in the first year I auditioned. Basically they gave you, made me a script right when I walk in, I have five minutes to look over it. And then I have to, in front of all the agents that are there, go through the script. And, you know, I was very, um, open and I was very, you know, I'm myself, but I was nervous. I didn't know what really what I was doing. I had never auditioned before. I had never even auditioned. I had just been upgraded over and over again. So I went through it. I did okay. He called me and basically was telling me no. 
and I turned the no into a yes. I convinced him that within, I was like, look, I don't have a lot of experience. I can't get experience unless you give me experience. It's the whole catch 22. Like, how am I supposed to get an agent if I've never had an agent? How am I supposed to get work if I've never had work? It makes no sense. Believe in me. I promise you I'm the hardest worker you have ever worked with. I will show up. I will go. And I was living at the Valley at the time. And it was an hour from the city, both directions, like there and back. So two hours for every audition, for everything, for every meeting. And I did it. I, he, he turned the, the no into a yes. He was like, okay, let's give you a 12 month contract. I'll send, I'll have my assistant send you over the paperwork. I mean, he was calling to say no, Yeah, go take some more acting classes, get some more experience. And I was like, mm, no, I'm doing this. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just really cool to turn that no into a yes and believe in myself. Like I was like, Oh, hell no, you're not rejecting me right now. What do you think? Not everybody would do that in life. That sounds like something I would have done and I've done with like jobs, but, um, but not a lot of people do that. Why do you think that you had that in you? I just, I know my worth. I know my worth. I, I am a hard worker. I will, I am the best friend. I am like, I work really hard at the things I do. I'm an amazing wife. I'm an amazing mom. I'm an amazing daughter. Like I really, I fucking rock. I rock as a human being. And I know that. And I've known that since I was young. And I think that self-confidence is something that has been true my entire life. And I'm so grateful for it. Of course, I have times of insecurity. I have times where I don't feel like the prettiest or the skinniest or the fittest or the smartest. Like there are times of insecurity because I'm human. But for the most part, that foundation I've definitely known myself worth since I was little. And so then once you then got, he's, you got the yes and he, you start going to these auditions and stuff and the getting the no's like, did that start to affect though your self-confidence or like, you know, I'm guessing that there had to be some like wavering where sometimes you're just like, okay, I'm not there yet. But then I, I would imagine it starts to break you down at some point. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. So I started to. I got, I mean, I knew I wasn't very good. <laughs> like I, I knew I wasn't very, I did it for fun. I did theatrical stuff for fun. Case summer camp in the summers. I wasn't that good. I didn't have the skill. It's a specific skill set to know how to go and book auditions. Right. So not ju- to actually even do the work, just the audition itself. I'm fine on camera. If you hire me, I am fine behind the camera. I am comfortable. My dad's a documentary filmmaker. I have had yeah. the camera in my face since I was and little. And you can say lines. I can say lines. It's that to actually get an audition to begin with, you need an agent for the most part. So I checked that one off. I have an agent now. Okay. Now I'm going to my first audition. How do I get a call back? How do I make them want me to come back? That's a skill. So I took an acting class, a few acting classes with one of the best in the city, Killian, if anyone's in LA, um, he has his own actor studio. Now he's the best. And he, he helped us. He actually helped a D I had a D for his Ted talk, go to Killian to be more, you know, just to kind of be more succinct and connected when he did his TED talk. So this guy's great. His name's Killian. And was he, did you, did he specialize in, in auditions or was it in acting just, or he was like, this is how you need to. He's an acting coach, but he's a commercial acting coach on SAG. He's very like driven and connected to the SAG industry and wants people to be successful. So I took literally a callback class. Oh, and learned the skills in that. What were the skills? Are there skills that have helped applied otherwise in life? But is there any skills that you learned? Everything helps in life. All, all everything. I mean, it's really about being present. It's really about listening. Like it, 
in any given moment, the director can give you something that's completely different than the first time you went into that first audition. Right. Cause you're like going in, like, here's my, what I'm supposed to read. So I, I, it's my turn. I go in and I read in that, like somebody's so attached to it. It's almost like in, you know, when I, I like in having a conversation with someone, it can be easy to be like, oh, but I, let me finish. Like, you're still talking, but I'm not going to listen to what you're saying anymore because I'm just waiting for you to stop talking so I can say this, that we get so attached to like, I'm here to read this script for you. So that's what I'm doing. But you had to end up learning no. to be like, be really present. You drop it all. It's the opposite of what people are thinking. Exactly. You go in, you think like, you're so wound up. I'm this character. I'm going to dress the part. Right. You're like in the, like, oh, like I'm imagining like in TV, you see people like getting referred and they're like in the persona and then the, the door opens, your name's called and you're like, I'm here to deliver these lines and that's it. Yep. <laughs> and then you walk in and you have to drop it all. And all of a sudden you walk in and the director has changed all the lines and they're up on the board. Oh, hey, Sophie, good to see you again. We've actually decided to make some edits. Um, the team in Nebraska decided that they want to switch the lines. So you're actually going to be reading for this line, this part now. And it's in the moment. Camera is on you. People are watching you all over the world from that taping. You're sitting in front of the agency who's on their, their fucking computers typing away. They don't give a shit. They act like they don't give a shit, but they're watching. So everyone's distracted. They're talking about their food order. They're like, and you're just there. And wait, are you supposed to be like waiting for them to stop? Or are you just like, I guess I just start oh, now. When like, he says, when he calls action, the, action. the camera person, but it's distracting. There, everyone's like, you have the spotlight on you. It's dark, but just light enough that you can see everyone on the couches. Agency is like whispering and on their computers. And you're like, are they talking about me? Do they hate me? And then, you know, director is staring at you like enthusiastic and happy, or maybe he's in a bad mood because it's like nine o'clock and he should have gone out of there at five. And it's just everyone has their stuff and they're on a deadline and they, they're way over budget and they're mad and you just have to not take it personally. And then they throw new lines at you or they throw a new part at you or they want you to do something different in direction and you just have to roll with it and be present. And yeah, do the best that you can do in that moment and stay humble while also like really listening, not doing what you think they want you to do, just listening to what they want. Cause usually the answer is right there, but we get so into our heads, into our fear, into our insecurities that we let that take over. But if you can just give in and just be like, I'm just going to show up and do my best. That's all. That's all you can do. Which is like, yeah, it's like, that's life. <laughs> I know. It's like, as you're saying this, I'm like. You're telling the story of like, oh, us constantly shedding all of these layers. You're like, and hi, it's just me here with you. And it's about breath and it's me and you. And I'm going to convince you that I, I'm not playing this part of this person. I am this person. And that's the difference too. Mm-hmm. It's like I am this person and I'm not just playing her. Like I, I am her right now. And I think that that's the cool thing also is that everything can be a learning experience. Like something that someone might think is so superficial. Commercials have never been superficial to me. It's such a learning experience. It's human condition. It's communication. It's listening. It's growth. It's challenging my growth edge because it's like a lot of pressure And it's fun. It's fun if you just let it be fun. And it's been so much fun working with my kids on set. I was going to say, is that one thing that besides the big money paychecks that can come from that? Is it also like because it kind of forces you to face yourself? Oh, yeah. Not sort of. It definitely does force you to face yourself. So it's like, hey, we might get this big 
payday from this, but it's also sort of a way to like constantly keep yourself therapy. It's a check-in. It's everything. You're facing all your stuff and it's right there. You know, like if you've gained six pounds, like you're going to feel it that day. Cause you put your size four, you're definitely a size six now. Like it's, it's all, all of it. And that really you saying that that in itself could very much matter to the director, producer, whatever that you're at a size six or five more, but it more could matter because you're of what you're making it. That if you're letting it get in your way, oh my gosh, they're used to seeing size four, Sophie, I'm a size six, Sophie, what are they going to think about? Who am I? Blah, 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 blah. Totally. That it's really like, if you're just comfortable in who you are, Hey, I'm size six, Sophie. And that it's like, you could probably get the audition compared to all the other size fours because they're worried they're not size, they're size two versions of themselves. Exactly. <laughs> or whatever that is. Or size eight, size 12, like whatever. But if like the person that it's embodying that. 100%. Just being in love with who you are right now, which is one of the keychains that you have is be here now or something like that, right? I am here now. I am here now. Yeah. I am here now. This version of who I am right? This version of who I am, this is who I am. I have I am that I am wrapped around my wrist for that like reminder and love, self-love. And that's what um, I just started the, this, the I Call Bullshit series on YouTube. And the one, this Sophie and I's conversation will come out after this, but I just put out the one I call bullshit on the fear of being judged and worrying about what people think. And that the biggest, like what that, what I was saying in that video is that really... <laughs> No one else's judgment means anything to us unless it's something that we believe to be true about ourselves. Exactly. So if you're worried about what are they going to think about the size six version of me, that's just your own judgment. But if you're cool and like, yeah, I am owning who I am. I am. This is who I am now. If you're not judging yourself for that, then they may judge you, but it won't even affect you or it may not be a thing because you're just there. It's like, it's just such a funny thing. Like nobody's judgments matter unless it's something that we're afraid is true about ourselves. Exactly. And you, and then in that case, like you should just pause going on auditions. Like I should just, if I'm not comfortable being who I am and if I can't show up just like the cancellations of an event, it's the same thing. Don't go to an audition if you don't have your head screwed on right. Cause they will find all those lurky little corners and then you feel terrible because you ruined the audition. You ruined the opportunity. It's an opportunity to show up and see where you're at. Are you on your toes? Can you think quickly? Can you respond quickly? Can you improv? Can you, you know, have all these little things going on at every given time? And that's, it's check-in. And to me, yeah. that feels really good, but it can feel really overwhelming. And I'll, I'll say no to auditions if I'm really tired. I didn't sleep a lot the night before. No, I can't show up and be the best version of who I am. Let's not waste each other's time. Yeah. And that's what, because you have that self-awareness to check in with yourself. And that's what, you know, like me shouting out, it's like, it's not the bullet doesn't fix it. Like, I'm going to still feel judged if I'm judging myself or something, but what it shows you is, oh, that I'm only upset about that because it's something I'm believing about myself. So I'm going to need to take a pause and work on this to myself. And then I'll, and then you can come back to it. And so it's like, you have that self-awareness. I wish I had that better self-awareness in more personal things. Like if I'm in a fight with a D, I wish that I had that awareness. I'm still not there. I just go. Like I just... <laughs> I understand that because I can get, I'm like, I'm like, I am so great about my choice in words and all these things, but I'm like, I am not perfect. And like, yeah, when something can happen in, especially in that relationship, I get triggered then almost. And I'm like, oh, there's the rage, Trisha, that exists. <laughs> 100%. Like we, 
we were fighting in the car last night about something and I was like, close your door because it was like nine o'clock and all of our all of our neighbors have families. I'm like, they're all sleeping. They can hear us fighting. I'm like, I have yet to be able to practice that in my relationship and in a fight. I have yet to be like, I need a minute. Like, I'm not my best self. Like, but I think that there's also some beauty in just being raw and vulnerable. And I like that I can be that way with a D. I like that I can be that unpolished version where I don't have it all together. I like that sometimes like I actually like it. Yeah. And I don't think that anybody's ever gonna all have everything all together. And but what I see in just in the awareness of that's a place, that's a relationship, that's a person where I realize this these things happen. This comes up where I wish I had better control of my language of what I'm saying. I have the same too. And what happens is if we just keep reminding ourselves when those things come up, oh, I wish that instead of beating yourself up, it's just not like, oh, I should have done this better. I wish I was that person. I'm a terrible communicator that go, "Mm, there it was again. That didn't feel great. I want to try to do better. And I think if we just keep saying that, then it starts to happen. But when we beat ourselves up or like act like the worst and then it, but it also reminding like where I can then go, I'm going to do better, but then I'll keep it to myself. And then I get into that occurrence again. It doesn't happen. And I'm like, oh, you know what, Trisha, you can actually tell him because I have the same, (laughs) like with my person, you can tell him right now that, you know what? I didn't love how I communicated. I want to do better. And that that helps too, because it's just like breaking down these like relationships of like fieriness that starts when that comes up, that it's just like reminding yourself in any area of your life when you're like, oh, I wish I did that better. I said that or I communicated better with that person or whoever it is. The awareness of wanting to do better is the fact that you're starting to do better and you keep having that awareness and having just, you're allowed to have that conversation with that person and that opens up the space for it to happen. It's nice when it does. Yeah. I think Adi's really good about that is like after the fact being like, I could, I'm sorry about that from earlier. I'm like, me too. But like, I'm not usually the first person to say that. I'm very stubborn, full full (laughs) on Taurus. But I do, I do feel like the way that I show up differently to arguments with him is that I will kind of prepare. I know when we're ripe for one. So I'll prepare. Yeah. Like, I'll, like last night we were hanging out. I'm like, I know we're going to go there tonight. <laughs> you like start to build up. All right. I'm going to come at yeah. you with these. Well, but in a good way for me, I'm not one of those people that has a list of things and like needs to like get them off in terms of I'm right. You're wrong. Yeah. I'm not one of those. I don't keep score. It's more you can feel like something's happening. And then it, like for me. Yeah. It's like, I can feel it. Okay. There's like some irritation happening, like something, yeah. there's like, something's going to be a conversation just need to be had. But then it's, so then it's like, for me, it's a tuning in. Okay. So why is this bothering me or what's been going on? And it, and that's what I take note of though, before yeah. we got like, I take note of that so that I can remember what it is that I'm actually upset about and not talk about like, and you didn't do the dishes. Like it, cause it can go, cause I am annoyed about that, but that's not what I'm really upset about. So to get to the under feeling, I, if I get alone, which isn't very often, but when I actually have time to think by myself and I say, what, what am I irritated really about? And then I ask myself, then I'll write it in the notes section of my phone. And then when we go into it, I can pull it up and be like, this is what I'm feeling. Like, yeah. this is what I'm actually needing right now. And what if we, what if we did this? And that comes from my like calm mind. Yeah. So bringing that in really transforms. I love that you've actually like type it into your notes. I don't think I've gotten that far, but I will do the same thing where I can start to feel myself being like triggered and annoyed ugh, and like wanting to like do the fucking like that, like do it yourself or like, well, why are you putting it like, and that it's for me when, and usually what I find for me, it's like, oh, 
it might be something he's doing or they doing, but it's also that something I'm not communicating sure. that it usually ends up back to like, oh God, why won't you read my mind? Why won't you do this? Why won't you be this? You're not expressing it. <sighs> I've got to communicate again. Exactly. No, that's a hundred percent it. And it's annoying. It's annoying as the mom and as like, just figure it out. You've known me for so long. You know what I want. Just do it. Well, no, they don't know what we want for whatever reason. They don't know what we want. So you got to spell it out. Hey, it's me, Trisha, your host, taking a brief pause here because I'm wondering, did you know that I have a daily inspiration app called Own Your Awesome? Yep, you can get it in the Apple and the Google Play app stores. And it's sort of like a virtual card deck. You can come to it at any time, hit the show me a card button and see what message you get. You can even set a timer or or a daily reminder so that you remember maybe it's at 7 a.m., maybe it's at noon when you feel like you get a little cranky, 2 p.m., whatever. Set a reminder to remind you to go to the app and get your daily dose of inspiration. Hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. I'll pick one for you right now. Ooh, I got stay open to the impossible. It's a nice little thought, right? We can shoot ourselves down from what we think, say, want. Stay open to the impossible. So that's just one of hundreds. You can get it. It's only $3.99. No monthly fees, no advertisements. That's it. Go get it in your app store right now. And back to the episode. Yeah, whether it's your significant other or everyone that I usually when I end up becoming annoyed with someone or something or wanting to cut someone out of my life or something and I'm like, well, first I need to communicate. Like even a friend, I've been like, I can't be friends with that person anymore. Every time I'm with them, they talk about other people and they're negative. So I'm just not going to be friends with them anymore. That's easier. Yeah. And then I said, but what if I gave them the benefit of the doubt? What if I said to them, I don't enjoy these conversations. Can we talk about it? What if I allowed them to try? It's actually easier. It has been in my life for sometimes to just not be friends with that person because they're like terrible. They talk about other people. I've never done that before. <laughs> and that it is like, then it's like to have that conversation because that's also, it's like, why is she talking shit about other people? Because that's what she's been taught to do. That's what probably we've done in our past. And that maybe I've just evolved in different ways. And she's still relating to me like that. But it's like, again, like it's triggering though, because it brings things back. Like for me, it always brings back that middle school self when like people did talk badly or we all did. And like that negativity, it's triggering for me, but that's my story. Like she doesn't know that I haven't set a boundary. I've never said anything. I'm silent. Well, that's what I'm saying. So like, I just want to be like, I'm no longer her friend because every time I'm with her, she talks about other people. But I've never expressed that to that person. You're also (laughs) allowing it. So therefore you're participating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's like bullying, right? Like, what are you going to tell your kids about bullying? Like, they shouldn't just stand there while someone else is bullying. That's not acceptable. Right? Like, that's, that's them participating by not saying anything. Right. They're not helping. If, if two bullies are bullying a little girl and your daughter is standing there with them yeah. and doesn't say anything, well, I didn't say that she was ugly or fat or stupid. Yeah. But were you standing there letting it happen or did you help out? It's the same thing. Like by being a part of it, but not 
speaking their truth and saying like, hey, that bothers me when you say those types of things. Hey, you know what? You know, I actually did this for years with my stepmom and my dad. I would let her talk badly about my dad. And it bothered me, bothered me, bothered me to the point of literally I would take the phone put it down, walk around and do things and come back. And she's just now finishing up. And I'm like, I didn't say anything that we want to be like, this person is so this, or I can't believe they do this, but then does she know that there's about, why would she think anything different? I've let her do it for five years. She thinks this is our relationship. I call Sophie and I talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) And finally I blew up, of course, because I let it go on too long and I didn't have the boundaries. So I blew up and I was like, you need to not talk about dad anymore. It really hurts me. Like, yes, I agree with half of what you're saying. He's a really <laughs> difficult person and he's my dad and I love him. And it hurts my feelings when you talk about him like that. And she hasn't since. Yeah. It was that easy. I know. I've been torturing myself for years. Why I we navigated down this path because it's like, I get it. It's sometimes easier. It feels easier to like just stop doing something and come thing out. But I don't know. You just, you got to have those conversations and you either find out, okay, so they are that person and I don't want to be, or like, we're not going to continue that relationship or friendship, or you could be creating this amazing new relationship. You can hit a whole new level. So cut to <laughs> back into Sophie's life. Yeah. I know that you worked at a juice bar. I can't believe I didn't know you then. Cause you would have loved that juice bar. I knew, I don't even think I've ever been there, but I knew of it. Or maybe I had been there. I think real raw live on Franklin. I, yeah, no, I have been, yeah. there. I had been there. So was that, um, were you at that point interested in wellness or was it a job? It was a job. I spent, I graduated from UCLA. A D and I had broken up. I moved back to my parents' house and I was lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I spent all my days at the YMCA, my local YMCA. I loved it. I would swim. I would get to know people. I would like go to the, I mean, it's the Hollywood YMCA. So it was even like a little she, she, it was like celebs. I don't know anyone ever. I'm like, I'm like, I've never even heard of anybody in in LA talk about a YMCA. It was the place to be. (laughs) You don't understand. You would have loved it. It was so cool. And it was for everyone from like your 95 year old neighbor to like an A-list celebrity, to like me on my spin bike. Like it was just all of kids running around. It was so great and so wholesome. And everyone came there for the same, I think it was $23 a month, literally $23 a month. And it was the place to be high, like best instructors, best vibes. So I hung out there all the time because I like, you know, was starting to get into fitness and like was going to yoga, took my first yoga classes there, fell in love. My, one of my best friends, Rose of Sharon was a teacher there. And so I would take all her classes and, um, just like discovering myself, spin class, whatever I was bored and I just wanted to feel good. So we would go, I'd go to this thing I'd go shower there, hang out, get to know people. And then afterwards I go get a smoothie at my local juice bar. And I would just spend hours there because I had nothing else going on. So I'd read the books and talk to the people at that juice bar at real raw live, which is no longer there, but it was a raw organic juice bar that also served some food and had supplements and was just like a a neighborhood kind of like Mecca. Like everyone came there to just absorb the good vibes. I mean, that was, I feel like they came out at the time. Like that was when like they were the first raw and juicy. Like it was like a really, it was a thing, but yeah, that which yeah. So it was before thing. I'm like, to me, it was a thing, but I was into that world early on too. You were in it early on also. Yeah. That was, I was 18. It was 20 at the time. And yeah, I mean, it was 
I fell in love. So I was like, Hey, I'm hanging out here all the time anyway. Like, do you have a job for me? Like a part-time eight hours a week job. And they're like, actually that's literally, I just like, whatever, like literally nothing like 10 hours. Like I wanted to do, I was barely, I was like, I could work like two, four hour shifts, like six to close. Um, and he was like, you know, it's funny. We actually don't have a lot of extra hours, but that's what we have. We have like eight hours or whatever it was. I'm like, cool. So that's where I started. And I fell in love. I never wanted to leave. I spent so much time there. It was like my second family. I learned so much about raw foods, organic, superfoods. And within a year and a half, I was managing the store, working 60-hour weeks. I did not want to leave. I loved everyone. And it was a neighborhood. Like Huge celebrities would come in and out. I didn't know most of who they were, but you could feel it. People made a big deal out of whoever they were. And yeah, and that's a neighborhood where, yeah, you would make sense for them to. But they were just themselves. Yeah. They came in to get their wheatgrass. Because that's just like, that's what I'm saying. It's like where in a location where housing, where it's just like they could walk up or whatever. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a really great experience. I learned so much. I would say, like, I got my PhD in raw foods there and superfoods. Like, getting to explore on my own body and experiment and play with recipes and design cleanses. And so that was really like an immersive experience. Were you interested in wellness and nutrition at all before or just like became like, oh, look at this smoothie bar. And then, you know, my mom is a holistic nurse. My birth mom is a holistic nurse practitioner. So I was raised taking homeopathics until I was like in middle school. That's the only thing I put in my body was homeopathics. Um, I never saw a doctor like she was my nurse practitioner. She would just like bring things home when we needed it, like give us immunizations when we needed it, um, like chase us around the kitchen, like give us her shots. And, you know, she's very, very progressive and liberal and very holistic. It was really fun growing up experience. I always felt very weird as a child, but <laughs> it was fun. And like looking back, I really admire that. And I think being at that juice shop made me feel at home because they sold, sold homeopathics. I was reading all about it. I'm like, wow, this is actually really cool. I didn't really understand it when I was a kid. This is dope. The fact that you basically with homeopathics are getting a little tiny bit, a microscopic amount of whatever the like poison is in your body to heal whatever it is you're going through. Like that's fucking fascinating that that works, that a microscopic little amount of something works. And it does. And it did. And it's powerful. And that's also how superfoods are. You need a very little min- a bit of like my superfoods, for example, you need a very small amount of the superfoods to make them work and give you energy and see how they affect your skin, your energy levels. So it's all very fascinating. And I was young. And so I think I just fell in love at that time. I had always somewhat felt comfortable in that space because of my mom, but I was also in an ex- exploratory place in my life. I was early twenties. I feared I had high cholesterol, but it was hereditary. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to just mess around with this. I became a raw vegan, year and a half raw vegan, super strict just for fun. Cause it was like, why not? When else am I going to do this in my life? (laughs) That was while you were working. While I was working there. Cause it was so convenient. It was like, may as well. You were like living there. You could have the food. Easy. Everything's already sprouted. Everything's already milked. Everything like it's already done. Totally. It's all done. So I'll just eat it. <laughs> I'll eat the stuff and then give it a, a try. And it gave me a lot of energy. It was great. Not something that's easy to maintain once you leave the juice bar, by the way. It's insane, the amount of work. Um, but yeah, 
I had a big raw face, but I don't know if I was ever like a hundred percent raw. I was like pretty close to raw vegan, but yeah. And I was like so into like all making all the things and doing all the things, but I'm like, I'm sure I wasn't ever a hundred percent, but I got pretty was, close. I only was because it was like, that was my life. It was my life. And also I was a living example. I was managing the juice bar. So I was like really hardcore about it. Some of the employees smoked cigarettes and I'd be like, so mad. I'm like talking to the boss, Rodney. I'm like, it's so wrong. Like they work at a juice bar. What are they? And like, I just, I was in love. I loved the experience. I loved the juice bar. I loved the, all of it. It just felt like really good. And I was like, you are not aligned if you're smoking cigarettes, but like everyone can do their own thing. You can be 50% raw vegan when you work there and you can go have a steak. There's That's okay. But I was in such a place of like, immersement and falling in love with it. Did you feel that then for like, did you start to get, because I know not just raw vegans, but anybody who's on some sort of, this is the, this is the yoga. This is the meditation. This is the way of eating. Like, so then did you start to be like to other people like that? No, you're not like judgmental of others choices or I wasn't judgmental to like in people that came through normal people. I was just, I mean like people in your personal life No, or like friends. No, I wasn't. I was on my own journey. I was on my own journey with my body too. I was just like, Oh, this is fun. I'd be like, yeah, I want to try this. I want to try this. But I would never be like, you're not this because you don't eat this or do this. Absolutely not. And also I, I never like not to be a dick, but I, I never was like vegan for ethical reasons. It was, I wasn't like, Oh, save the animals. Like I am compassionate. Of course I care, but that wasn't what it was about. It was about my health. I had high cholesterol. I loved the exploration of like, Oh, this gives me a lot of energy. Like I feel great right now. And these, these superfoods and these vegetables and these fruit, like I feel really good and I want to help my clients feel really good too. So it was much more about that. And so there was no, I wasn't up on my high horse. I wasn't up on a pedestal. Like I didn't do that. It was just my own journey. And then when it wasn't serving me anymore, I stopped. So what, um, was, cause I believe right. That working at the juice bar was what inspired you to start your superfood yeah. product line philosophy. Like where did that happen? Where did you become like, that's a pretty big step to just be, to be like, I'm going to start making my own products. It actually was not a big step. It was very organic. I just started out of my apartment. I started just selling my own blends of superfoods because I kept being like, why are there all of these powders in my pantry. It's a lot of, no, I'm the same way. Like I traveled and like, when I like, you'd bring it all. And when, when, when I was on tour, yeah, when I was on tour, Jason, we had a like road pace Pelican case when we were overseas. I had a huge road case, whatever, but like just the top drawer was all smoothie ingredients of like, yep, here's the green vitamin ogre and powder. Here's the chia seed. Here's the maca. Here's the goji. Here's the cacao. Here's the like, whatever. And yeah, it, it took, and then it's like, how long does it take you to put all of those things into a smoothie? So time-wise, literally like, and was it a teaspoon or a tablespoon? Was it a half teaspoon or a, it? There's a lot of thought that goes into it. And not everyone knows that if you don't work at a juice bar and you're not like a joyologist. Well, and that's what you were making them every day for like, I was making them every day for the people on tour, which could turn into like at most 20, but normally it could just be like maybe three, like me, those or whatever, you know, but you were like making all day, day long. I was making it for the troops. I was making it for the troops and all day long I was making it in the juice bar and then I'd go home and I'd make them for my private clients. And I kept gravitating to the same 
ingredients. When I'm making a green smoothie, these are the ingredients that I want. I want there to be spirulina. I want there to be hemp protein powder. I want them to be, you know, I want there to be a little bit of vanilla. I want there to be, so like I kept grabbing, oh, when I make a chocolate shake, like I really like reishi with chocolate and I really like maca too. They really give me good focus. And because I had explored in my own body and with my clients at the juice bar, I knew what worked well together in synergy. So these synergistic ingredients that everything goes into a berry green and chocolate smoothie, that's what's in my three smoothie blends is those ingredients that I gravitate. I tried to keep it simple because not everyone wants all the adaptogens and you shouldn't. I tried to keep it simple, a plant-based protein in each, you know, that's organic and sprouted and raw and full of nutrients. And it's a full chain amino, amino acids. So it's not like soy, which only has a few, it's a full amino acid. So it's like, you're getting all the protein that you need from it and it's going where it needs to go. And then on top of it, let's add some superfoods for energy. Let's give a boost in natural energy levels and let's not add sugar. Let's not add stevia. Let's keep it clean. And then the person who's making this, because I don't, I don't like smoothie powders and I don't like protein powders where they add the sweetener, can the be. sweetener in it because sometimes I just want to add it to something savory. Sometimes I want to add it too much. Also, if I'm, I'm going to add frozen fruit, like frozen berries and, and I mean, frozen banana, if I had frozen banana and stevia or, and a sweetener, it makes it overly sweet. I want to be able to add what I want nutritionally to make it taste good. No, I truly, I mean, you are a friend of mine, but I truly, your products are the only products I now use in that format because I can add them to anything and the food still tastes good. Exactly. That I normally, well, if I'm making a smoothie, yeah, then it would probably be the frozen fruit or something like that. But I normally am never adding anything. Like this morning I was eating overnight oats that I had put both vitamin O green and your cacao magic in. Like I can add it to anything and the flavor stays the same and I cannot say the same for other things. And so what I'm saying, you were like, this was organic for me to start this. And I'm hearing that, but also like, it's a big fucking deal to say, wow, this would be so easy to just package them. I'm going to do that. (laughs) So how did you get the, uh, like, I am doing this. So the, the kind of evolution of it was that I was packaging it up at home. I was shaking it in a big container to mix all, some have six, some have seven ingredients in each of the blends. I would mix them up. I had a scale, I had little bags and then I would. And that's because you're doing it for private clients. For private clients. Myself. So outside of the juice bar, you started what? Some sort of cleanses or wellness package? Basically the philosophy superfood blends and me doing things with private clients was after I left the juice bar. So I, I segued, like I was doing a little bit of both when I was still there, but it became too much and they weren't paying me well. And the integrity of the juice bar wasn't working out. So while you're at the juice bar, then what you had the idea of, I'm going to create. No, it wasn't even like that. It just happened. Like people are there and they're asking information. They're like, what should I put in my shake every day? Which I understand because that's become like, you go to these places, you're so like this smoothie tastes good, whatever. Like then you like become sort of their like nutritional guru. Exactly. Why do what I feel good? I can do this. What more can I be eating? What else? And so there you're just like, end up talking to these people and they just want more and more knowledge and more and more help. Exactly. And, and basically what, happened was that I left the juice bar. I loved making cleanses for my clients. So that's really where I started. Philosophy started with me making cleanse programs, organic, raw, clean, gluten-free cleanse programs where you eat all day long. It's full of really beautiful foods. You're never hungry. If anything, people are like, do I have to finish my dinner? I'm like, yeah, like you should, you don't have to, but like 
finish it. Like, you know, there's lots of good nutrients in there. And, um, so it was basically a breakfast, lunch, dinner, and two snacks that I would make for them in my kitchen and they'd pick it up. They do a three day cleanse. They do a five day, they do a seven day. I catered it to the individual. So if they didn't like beets, then they had no beets. If they were trying to like work on their skin, it was full of way more antioxidants than just a normal one. If they were trying to cleanse or lose weight or trim up, you know, I catered it towards that. If they were trying to detox from like heavy metal, you know, whatever it was. And how did people like know, like you just became known from being like the manager at the real, like I I got clients from there. And then what I, the next thing I did was I put my cleanses on guilt city when it first started. And I became friends with a guy, still my friend, Jeremy. He was the LA guilt city manager or whatever. And he put me on guilt a bunch of times and I just got all these high end clients. So that's like, you offer like a deal. So like, like you were like, Oh, my cleanse costs $150, but you can get it for 75 or something like that. Whatever. So then people want to like see advantage, take advantage of the deal. Then I would build that clientele. They were happy with what I delivered. I wouldn't do another guilt city deal for a while. Then I would do another one, get it. And they stuck with me because they could see the integrity of what I was doing. So that's really how I grew my philosophy cleanse company. Then I, um, had some really high-end celebrities. And so in those cleanses, that's when you're already making the like blends as part of the package. It was part of it. Got it. Exactly. I'd be like, I'd be like, okay, so when you're done with this cleanse, um, wake up and make a smoothie, but add this packet to it. And then a girlfriend of mine, Jenny Hardy, who's Ed Hardy's niece, she Ed Hardy. Ed Hardy trucker hat. That brand, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that name forever. It's like Juicy Couture, Velour, you know, it's like that time. Yeah. So she went to college with us. She actually was friends with the D first. I don't even remember how we met, but she moved to London and she was like, I want your cleanse here. What do I do? How do I? And I'm like, I can't ship that there. It's going to be so expensive to ship. I don't even know if it's possible. And no. You were making food. So she was like wanting the food. I'm like, I don't think that's possible. Let me figure this out. So I took a box. And I took all these different like containers and baggies and I filled it up with mostly what is now my cleanse program that I sell on my website, which is all the product base that you need with a recipe book and the superfood blends. So that forced me to be like, what do I put in this smoothie that makes it magical? She can get mango and spinach there. It's not about that. It's about the superfoods. So that's when the green started. I started to, I created a package for it. I made a label with one of my girlfriends who found me. Like she literally was a designer. Her name's Rachel Garahan, um, one part gypsy. She has a really beautiful book, actually a kid's book, A to Z. And it's all these beautiful pictures of like different things in nature of each letter of the alphabet. And um, yeah, she's amazing. And she is a great designer and designed all my logos, my packaging, everything. But she actually found me uh, a flyer for my stuff at a like random place on Abbott Kinney, found one of the flyers I left there. And she called me and was like, I'd like to help you because it was such a shitty flyer. Oh my God. And that's where our relationship started. That's and, funny. Yeah. And like, that's how a lot of things are in my life. Like they find me. So yeah, we redesigned what it was that I was. And I was kind of creating that at the time. And And I had some high-end celebrities, which helped out with like, you know, me feeling worthy and like 
feeling like people care what I'm doing and the, you know, the guilt city deals. And then I started, instead of doing the cleanses on guilt city, then I started to just do superfood powders on guilt city. At the time, my superfood powders were like $200 a pound because I would literally go to air one and buy the superfoods and mix them. Like I didn't even know what wholesale was. I didn't know what, I didn't know how to buy things in bulk. I would go buy sprouted brown rice protein from air one or whole foods. So my prices were really, really high. So then what got you to like, start learning more about that too? Of like, Oh, well, once I packaged green dream, Adi was like, there's a more affordable way to do this. Sophie, you're like, there's no way people are going to buy that. Or like, yeah, there's no, no one's paying $200 for a pound of protein powder. And I'm like, it's not just protein powder. He's like, Sophie, let's figure this out. So then, and, and so basically after having Leo, my second, I, at that time I had George Clooney and Stacey Keebler as private clients three days a week. Oh, so you were making them meals food. for them three days a week. Okay. I'd go to his house make fill his fridge with beautiful things and then leave. And was that at that time or is it still all raw? Um it was I did some cooked foods, but I'm not a chef. I'm not a chef. I'm a I'm a raw food chef. That's way different. Like I don't know how to even cook like at, you know, like I I've learned over time, but at the time I was like all I know how to do is make like zucchini noodles and you know. So I But did that start because they try to cleanse and then they were like can you make us more food or something so like I, that? So I, they, Stacy did a cleanse, then they both did a cleanse. They loved it. And then he hired me to be their chef, but I had to teach myself. I had, I did not know how to like saute vegetables. Like I had to learn. So I kind of like faked it till I made it. And like, I, it's funny. Cause I actually do like that expression. Cause you just like show up and do it. And you're like, I can do this. I'm worthy. Like I can make this happen. I can learn. And then you just figure it out. I just always figure things out. Yeah. So yeah, I was cooking for them for about two years. I got pregnant with Leo up until like the end of my pregnancy. I was still cooking. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that like the, the superfood powders didn't weren't like really a thing until after both kids. It was after, I mean, like Green Dream came with Kai slowly. It was a really slow rollout. That's why I say like it was organic. It was slow. Like by the time I like actually made a package for Green Dream, it was like a year after I had started like selling it in back alleys to like rich people in Guild City. Like, but you were able to support yourself via doing of. the cleanses and making sort people of. I was God, like breaking like you even, like rolling it. But you're, okay, I was like Got breaking it. even. Yeah, because I didn't care. Like I just was like, Adi's like, okay, now you have forty six dollars. Why don't you go buy business cards? Then I would do that. You know, like it was very like just fun. It wasn't about the money. It was about helping people. I loved it. And I was young. It didn't matter. I had, That's great. So he, do you feel like him supporting you in that is what made you be able to keep doing it and making it or be a real thing? hundred percent. And like, he, it's not like he was making a lot. He was a PhD student when we met and then graduated with a PhD, still making no money. It wasn't about that, but he was, he made enough to support us. We got married and like his mom helps pay for our apartment and he paid the bills. Like, yeah, like I was supported both in mind, body, spirit, financially. Like he, he supported me living my dreams. When, and also, I mean, that's huge on his part without there even being kids and then in kids in the situation, because it's, well, it's also like so much because I'm now I have a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old and running my own business is this came. I have a product business and other coaching out in the world business and that there's less time. And so then what I have known you to do is like you're you're 
Kai and Leo are now in school, but now you have Noah. But like, I've seen you kick ass and make shit happen throughout so many different areas of your life while having the kids. And so you were always an inspiration to me of like, if you want to, you can keep going. Whereas I have chosen at some points, like, yeah, I'm going to wear my baby while I'm doing this thing. And then sometimes, no, I'm going to say no to those things for now. But you've shown up, you would be wearing kids to like sampling the foods at health food stores, taking them to auditions for yourself when they're not auditioning and just like showing up, making it happen. And that also you were able to put them into, or you chose to put them both in like preschool young early, which means you're paying for someone to watch your kids. And then with the hope that you're making money on your own, which is, I'm bringing this up because it can be a challenging thing for me. It was a challenging thing to start paying someone to watch my kids because the hope is you're doing work, which will bring in more money. But when you work for yourself, it's obviously different than not like, okay, and now my maternity or now I'm ready to go back to work. So now I go back to my, this is the salary that's been agreed upon or the hourly rate or anything like that, that we both earn our own money. And so it can be a scary thing. And so for that also for, was he supportive of you in doing that? Like, yes, send the kids to school because you need to do that. He told me to. He told me to, cause he was like, I was running myself ragged and there is there. I mean, like I'm not fully capturing all the times and like, I always get the timing, but, but there was a period once we had kids that it became more stressful and financials became more stressful, especially once we needed babysitters and we needed, you know, then daycare. And I, around the time when I had my first product green dream, I was selling at air one. I was making food for Air One before they had their own to-go food. I was the one making the food for them in my commercial kitchen. I had a commercial kitchen on Robertson, like five minutes from here. That's when you were doing the cleanses and food plants and you started making food for Air One. Mm -hmm. Making huge food cleanses twice a month, um, you know, 30 to 40 people each time. So like cleansing 80 people a month, um, huge amounts of food being delivered to this kitchen. Like it was a huge operation. I had two kids and Leo was brand new. I was like a chicken with my head cut off. And it was also, I was 28 years old and super vibrant and super alive and super, like I was really into it. I loved it. And then came a point where it became depleting and it became too much because I wasn't spending enough time with Leo I felt, I felt it and it wasn't as fulfilling and that's okay. I changed my mind. Um, but Adi was the one definitely that was like, you can put them in school. And I, I just put them in like a part-time nine to 12 thing. Yeah. But the, by the time I dropped them off, I already had to pick them up and it made no sense. And he's like, they're going to be, my whole thing was like, they can't nap there. They sleep in this perfect sanctuary. And he's like, they'll be able to sleep they'll be fine. And I had to trust all of this is about trust. It's like, yeah, I am worthy enough and I will make double the amount of money because energetically just to have that time to myself and not be a chicken with my head cut off, not having to like micromanage wearing a baby. Like they're too big to be worn now. Like they're too, you know, at that point there were, you know, a year and a half and three and yeah. So I was like, I warned them. Yeah. I was like, I would wear my kids when they were like up to six months and then at, at some like event, like something like, well, like sure. a long well, like I, event. Well, I was in the kitchen. I'd be in the kitchen and my apartment wearing baby Kai and like making a cleanse for 12 people. I didn't even have a That's real blender, so Trisha. I had one of those hand mixers. I swear to you, I have permanently damaged my left hand because I had a hand, mic- a hand, what is this? Like a hand blender. 
Like the immersion blender, which those are, those are awesome. Uh, yeah, but you have to use your own <laughs> yeah, hand to Not make- for doing those, but I'm saying like for like. Great for soup. I, yeah, I, I can't believe like I am just a scrappy fucking hustler. Like I make shit happen. Even it's not easy. It's not like things come naturally or easy to me. I just make it happen. And is, have you noticed in your life where you've seen like, oh, I'm working my ass off to make this happen because I'm proving something like where, you know, where you or you know, like, you notice I want this. I'm doing this. I'm fucking making it happen. And then when it starts to feel out of alignment, you can shift. Yeah. I just do things for me. It's a very internal drive. It's not about external. I, I know I'm successful. I know I'm beautiful. I know I'm smart. I know that I'm worthy. I know that I like deserve a, a fulfilling life. And that's for me. It's a very internal thing. I have nothing to prove. My parents don't care. They're proud of me no matter what. Like, it's not about that. And does that feel like something that you feel like you've always had that you haven't had a hard time, like dealing with doubts and fears of, is this going to be successful or no? And it, it mostly it's like, I may go down the path of like, oh, I may have to close philosophy. Like this is getting harder. It's not profitable, which is still a fact that's close tomorrow because it's just not profitable yet. I'm hoping this year is the year. If it's not, then I probably am going to shut it down. But I think that this year will be the year that we make it profitable because energetically be, being okay with, okay, we might have to close it down is exactly what's going to propel me forward. The non-attachment. Yeah. So I, th- I think that for me, it's more about... um accepting that I feel like even if there's a little bit of doubt in something, the undercurrent is that I'm going to be okay no matter what. If I'm not the founder of philosophy as my byline, if I'm not, you know, I am me and I am going to be happy no matter where I live, no matter where I go, because I have my babies, I've got my partner and I'm me and I'm going to do what brings me joy, even if that doesn't mean that I'm not successful in what someone else would judge as successful. Like I know that I am. And so that's what I'm bringing up is that I'm guessing like, sure, doubts and fears come up, but when they come up, that's where you tap into to get to move through them. I'll be fine. Yeah. It it takes getting back to that place and like stripping away those layers to know. Yeah. Yeah. Like on my way to a massage or on my way to a yoga class where I'm like, spiraling and like freaking out and like, are we gonna have to get a divorce? Like I go in these places and then I come out of the yoga class and I'm like, I'm going to be fine. We're going to be fine. And that's what it like. It's funny. Cause I'm wanting to have these conversations, people like bringing up that we all have doubts and fears, but it's funny. Cause when like I'm sitting down and, but everybody's like, well, no, cause I can't think of a doubt or fear right now. Cause I'm in this moment with you or we're enjoying this conversation. And that's, what's funny. It's like that the doubts and fears really don't mean much because you for sure, we all have doubts and fears. But when we're in this moment of being present, we can sometimes not even remember what they were and if we even had them. I think that's also a practice. We're so lucky to be in a practice where we are so present for the most part to our feelings. We have an awareness of where we're at and we've been practicing this for so long now. So when we get out of alignment, which we will, when we get on like our ruffle, our, our feathers ruffled, which we will, when we get out of alignment, what are the practices that bring us back? But that's what a lot of, you know, like I'm wanting to have this conversation is to highlight that the people that we see out in the world, no matter who they are, no matter how much money they have or success or followers or whatever that is, that we all are facing doubts and fears. 
And like, so to get like what's underneath them to make you keep going. And that that's what I'm noticing now is that in these conversations that sometimes like that's how little the doubts and fears really mean. They can feel, feel so heavy and so hard in the moment. But like, it's just like coming back to like, what is real? What is real is that I am safe no matter what. Like I, I do these uh, little meditations for the kids now because we've been having a lot of behavioral issues with my middle child, Leo. So I'm doing everything I can right now to really focus on helping him with his issues, with his behavioral stuff. And so at night I've been doing a, a little five minute meditation. Exactly what I'm telling him is what anyone could tell themselves to make them feel safe. I'm like, you are safe. You are supported. Feel the bed underneath you. Feel the ground underneath that. You, forever you are held and safe. And that is all we all want to feel. Say it again. I am held. I am supported. I am laying here or sitting here on this couch, which is supported by the earth and the ground underneath me. I am always held. I am always supported. I am always loved. Always. That is a constant. The earth holds you and supports you and loves you. That is a that is never going anywhere as far as I'm concerned. Like love that. That's it's it. like that's like the simplest. It's so <laughs> simple. And when I tell him that, I feel instantly better because I'm telling him the truth. I'm not fluffing anything. Like you are supported for the rest of your life. If when you are 40, you can remember this meditation that you are supported and you feel the earth underneath you when you lay on the ground. That is forever. You are held. You are loved. You are supported. You are safe and you are supported. And that's like, yeah, like those doubts, those fears, those judgments that are coming up in your own mind to just push through them. You are safe. You are supported. And to get beyond them. I have like so many things I wanted to talk to you about. We'll have to come back. (laughs) But um, I'll get to the things that I've been wanting to. um, What is some what is a go some go to's for you to raise your joy levels, which you somewhat talked about earlier when we were talking about when you're like needing to be on and you're not. I think really like the highest joy level is going to the beach or going on a hike. For me, like nature, it's a complete and utter reset. I think this is true for everyone, but I can just speak to myself. I am a triple earth sign. So I am a Taurus moon, Taurus sun and Virgo rising. I have so much. I am earth mama. Like I need (laughs) to be barefoot outside as often as possible in whatever ways I can be. So the ultimate is getting out, obviously on vacation, but like the rea- the reality is yeah. we live 30 minutes from the beach, go to the beach. And so even if that, like you can't get to the beach, you like, you're going to have to go have an interview or like you're doing I something. Know. If it's 10 minutes, I go outside barefoot. Like my feet by the end of the day, every day are black <laughs> out of it. Um, okay. Let's go to, so I brought all of my keychains and had you pick one but you were choosing between three. So I was going to have you walk through your three to choose your final one. Okay. I'm going to work, work this through with you and with all of you. So the first one I picked and I'm, I'm actually resistant to keep is I am magic because I think for me personally, I'm in a place where I don't need to be reminded of what I already know. The point of this to me is to be reminded of what I need to be reminded of. Yes. I know I'm magical, so I don't need that. I am worthy. I am magical. I am magic. So I'm going to give you that one back. And that is the point that this is something that you want. You're like, you're wanting to see that reminder me like, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the other, the last two that I'm left with are, I am here now. And the only judge of me is me. So I think when it comes to, I am here now, I love that because 
obviously anyone, but especially me, I, I have a lot going on. I wear a lot of different hats. I have a lot of balls in the air and to be present. I am here now, just me. I am here now helps me to ground down and just feel super present, which is all I want all day because I, I truly think that the the presence is what allows time to pause a little bit. And that's all I want. Like, I can't believe how big my kids are now. They're six, eight, almost a year. Like time is flying by. All I want is to hold on to it. Like we were talking about giving her, like drugging her with something to make her stay her size. Let's not do that. Okay. <laughs> Kai and I were like plotting it today. He's like, she's never going to talk. She's never going to be in second grade. She's never going to grow because she's going to stay this size forever. And I was like, what do we do? <laughs> and yeah, it's just, I think and I said, you know what the secret is though, Kai, it's like really spending time with her and being present in each day, even for five minutes, playing a game with her, reading her a book, just really looking at her in the eyes and remembering her in this that's how to pause time and slow it down. Yeah. To be in it, (laughs) to be in it, to be here now. So that's a huge one. And I'm still not hundred percent sure. And then the other one is the only judge of me is me. And I think when I'm alone and I'm disconnected from the outside world, I don't have a problem with this. Like when I am just with my family and my friends, my loved ones, I know I feel very worthy and everything. But when it comes to like, social media or someone reading my blog post or taking something the wrong. Like, yeah, we didn't even get into the whole social media (laughs) world and all. And even just like, you know, like vaccines, like I haven't vaccinated Noah yet. And that's just fucking my prerogative as a mom, because she's my human that I built and created. And I just don't want to, I didn't want to pump her. I didn't want to pump her immune system. I'm on a slow system with my kids and I took Arrow, I took my kids to an in-home daycare last week and they're not allowed back because Arrow isn't even like, she's, she's has vaccines, but she's not at a certain, I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing like, I feel like I'm doing the best I, I'm learning on both sides. I'm doing it slowly. And yeah. So with, with the kids, with Kai and Leo, we did a slower plan. I'm on super slow snail plan with Noah and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But when I get around other people, the only judge of, of the only judge of me is me needs to be reminded because I've, I had like last week, I said something about not being, I mean, I have no shame. Like, it's not like I'm, I have secrets. I share everything very openly, but it still hurts and stings, especially when it comes to parenting or honestly anything. Like when people have an opinion like that, I eat eggs and I'm no longer vegan, even though it's been, I've been longer, not vegan than I was vegan. It doesn't matter. It still hurts. I still feel bad. I still feel guilty. It still brings up feelings. So I have to remind myself, don't pick your battles. People that are very, very dogmatic about things. This is what I've learned is I can't, I can't make everyone happy. I can only make sure that I'm taking care of myself and keeping my own side of the street clean. And that's all I can do. Yeah. And that's like what I was talking about at the beginning with the, like that, that video that I was sharing, like calling bullshit on the fear of being judged or caring about what other people thinks that is from that statement. The only judge of me is me. It was me having that realization years ago that I was so afraid of what people think or what are going to do with this or what's coming at me. And I was like, these are all judgments of myself. And if I can clear all of those judgments up myself, then it's okay. That sucks that that's coming at me and that that person may believe that about me. And that because of they construed that to be that, that sucks. But I know the truth about me and my intentions and what that was. So that the only true judge of me is me. And that grizz, it's like, it's so freeing and peaceful. I think this is the one that I need as the biggest reminder. The only, which one? Which one, which keychain are you taking home with you today, Sophie? The only judge of me is me. <laughs> I'll hand you this one back. Awesome. And uh, the working 
title of this podcast, I'm recording and I'm not even, I'm still not sure what I'm calling it, but it's possibly claim it, meaning that it is all our responsibilities every day in our lives to claim our joy, to claim our success, to claim our enoughness, to claim our worth, whatever that is, that nothing can give that to you. What are you claiming for yourself today or this year or whatever it's speaking to you? What are you claiming? What am I claiming? I am claiming intentional living. Mm. Feel you embody it already. Thank you. It's a, it's a work in progress. Everything is, but I'm almost there. I feel like it's just, it's a constant reminder because it's easy to go on autopilot. I'm a big autopilot person. Like I get into an elevator and I'm just ready for everyone else to press the buttons. And Adi's always like, <laughs> literally, no, I don't press the buttons unless I'm alone. I just trust that it, I'll get there. Like, yeah, that leads me to some other questions I was going to ask you that we'll get back to about things I've noticed about your personality. That's awesome. Oh, but then I also forgot that the last question I wanted to ask people is that recently I wrote this thing. Um, what is easier for me is not always what's best for me. So if you could think of a space in your life right now to apply that, like what is easier for you is not best for me. What is easier for me is not best for me. Where it could be something like you just talked about with going into autopilot or it could be anything. Yeah, I think um, the path of least resistance isn't always the best in terms of my growth. So in terms of nurturing and growing my relationship with my husband, sometimes I'm just too tired or I don't feel like going there and it would be easier to just roll over and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I understand this. But my current... (laughs) What were the terms you used? What is easier for me is not always what's best for me. It would be easier to just roll over and go to sleep, but that's not what's best for me because then I dream, I have weird dreams and I feel sad and I feel resentful. Oh, really? It like creeps into my dreams and I'm resentful and I wake up kind of upset and like I have a, like a vulnerability hangover, but it's not because I didn't go anywhere. I just feel hungover from my emotions and holding on. So what would be easier would be to go to sleep. But what I'm going to try and practice right now, what I am practicing is just sitting up. Like that word change, I'm going to try to I am. I am practicing sitting up and saying what I need and using my voice and doing the work because in the end, it's only going to benefit me, my relationship, my family, everything in my life. Like I am the nucleus to my life, to everything that surrounds me. Everything falls apart when Sophie's not happy in my world. I'm the nucleus of my own world. So if I'm not happy and speaking up and using my voice, everything else falls apart too. Everyone, everyone can feel it. Even my manager who lives in San Diego will be like, where have you been this week? Have you been in a bad place? Like, no, I just have been really busy because I didn't have an au pair. Like everyone can feel it. Yeah. So it's up to me to take care of myself. And that isn't always easy. Yeah. But it's necessary. And... Yeah, like you said, that often it's like the speaking up. It can be easier (laughs) to go to sleep or ignore something or to not talk about it. But what's best is to dive in. Be in the grown up once again. Always have to step (laughs) into the adult pants and it stinks sometimes. Like I feel like in almost all my relationships, especially with my parents, I'm the grown up, I'm the adult and it's exhausting. And so when I'm with my partner, I'm like, I don't want to be the adult right now. Like I want you to say the thing. I want you to do the thing. Why do I have to do the thing? And 
I'm just drained from it. And also that's my life's work. I think it's my karma. I'm nodding because yeah, I am in my life has been, you know, there's been questions of like, oh, are you a natural born leader? Like out in the world and stuff like that. And I was like, I feel like I'm in some ways a resistant leader. Like I'm always ready to leave. But I'm like, is anybody, you know, whether it's like a friends, we're going on vacation. I'm like, every somebody else, everybody's planning this, right? Everybody's taking, and I'm so happy to take like a back seat, but I am a natural born leader. But sometimes like, can I just, I just want someone to take care of it. Just yeah. take care of the stuff. Yeah. But I'm great at being yeah. led everyone. <laughs> Me too. I love working in a team. I love working, you know, but I, I'm good at being passive. Like I like to just trust and like you take the driver's seat. I'm going to just put my feet up and I'm yes. good at that. However, if no one else is going to do it, I think I'm like, somebody might be listening from my best. Like you're not, you're horrible. Trish <laughs> backseat driver. Yeah, I can't be bad. <laughs> I can't be bad at all things. We're a little bossy. We know what we like, but we can also but let I you drive. But I understand the exhaustion of like, fuck, do I have to step up again? Do I have to bring this up? Do I always have to be the one initiating these this conversations? This is really where I'm at. I'm exhausted and drained of it. And that's just what my karma is with every friendship. It's like, yeah. I have to draw the boundaries. I have to draw the lines. Oh, you let's, hey, let's meet up and have that talk. Oh. You're talking like you're me. Is there a mirror? <laughs> Which is why our relationship is so refreshing. I have to say, I think that's part of why our relationship is so refreshing is because we both are that person. There's not a lot of work to do here. Like we can, we can just like, yeah. go back and forth between driving. It's just, it, we're both the, the adult in the relationship, Aww. you know, and it's nice because then there's not as much work to do because we're both showing up and like, okay, we're responsible to each other. We're going to hold each other accountable. And there's a lot of love and just like I love gentleness. You. I love you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you did this. We're doing it. I'm doing it. I think it's really cool that you talked about this on our podcast, that you wanted to start one or maybe the same day. Maybe you just talked about it with us. I, yeah. I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I said it to you. But I was thinking about that too, because I remember it being like, I was at the place of I'm st- going to start one and I wasn't sure when or what, but, and I've always known since podcasts were a thing that I would but it was just like, it wasn't like I wasn't re- ready yet. It was just like, no, I had babies, whatever. And now I'm like, it's the time. But it's interesting because I remember coming up here to record the podcast and Adi being like, yeah, who wouldn't want to listen to a Joyologist podcast? And that in my mind, I actually had some like doubt of like, oh, you have a big podcast and you think that like, I was like, people want to listen to my podcast. It was an interesting mindset shift that I noticed in coming up here too. Whereas now I'm like, I'm so in the oh my God, I love that I'm going to go have these conversations with people and this is so great and I'm so excited about it that I'm not attached to the outcome. Yeah, same with me, same with us. That like, this is going to be a fucking awesome podcast you're listening to and hopefully a shit ton of people are listening to it because it's good conversation, but that it, I, there, yeah, like I'm more in the, it's not like, it's not, it's not, oh, but I'm a competing podcaster. There's so many podcasts. There's so many people out there doing these things and this and that. And it's just like, I'm just doing what I'm excited about and what making me come alive. And it's fun. And it's fun in the conversations, like our podcast too, we have a podcast called Ignited and it's all about, like, it's all about the relationships. It's all about the talks and the conversations. We've had all our best friends on our podcast and that's what I care about. I don't care. About, I don't I've never even looked at our own number. I'm also very passive in that way. I've never, I don't never even looked us up in iTunes, but Adi handles that for the both of us. I think it's really healthy and good to just also just be in the moment and just enjoy yeah. it and not get caught up in any of the like stuff. Yeah. And that's, 
you know, that's another thing. There's other things I'm going to ask you, but that's something that's also, I've been inspired about you that I have seen that you're someone that takes action, that when you want to do something, you do it, you make it happen. You hire somebody to help you. You, you just do things regardless. I don't get caught up in the perfectionism of it. And I don't either, but I'm a little bit of a step behind you. Even when we were, we, by the way, we wrote a cookbook together. (laughs) We we wrote a cookbook together. And so, yeah, in that process too, which is, we both sell it. It's an ebook available on both of our websites. It's called Nourish and it's an ebook on both. 40 plant-based recipes that are gluten-free and for anybody to enjoy that are easy. But yeah, in that process and like seeing that or whatever, but like I am too, just like, I've just got to do it. Like whatever. Like I'm starting this YouTube series. I'm not editing it. Like I'm using like a fake backdrop of a wall and there's like wrinkles in it. And like, it's like, like I'm not editing it. And I feel so fucking good. I feel so fucking good this month Yay! because I'm doing things that I want to. And I like, people are enjoying it. But I don't care what that number is. You're doing it for you. And that it feels so good to have the conversations, to be doing things. So, and I'm saying this out loud to you, whoever you are, to just, if you're excited about something, if you're interested about doing something, then do it and stop making it so hard for yourself. Or is it going to work out? Is it good enough? Is it whatever? Like, just do what makes you come alive. Because it's your job to claim your life, your joy. You're everything. Get it. Thank you so much for having me. I love you. Thanks for being a yes. I love you too. (laughs) I hope you guys got some good stuff from that episode and feel motivated to just start doing and get out of your own way and not be attached to, am I ready? Is this ready? A couple of things I wanted to let you know, I mentioned my six-week Be Your Own Joyologist course. That is opening for enrollment very soon. If you want to learn more about that, go to yourjoyologist.com slash courses, and you'll find that there as well as my 31-day email program. For all things me, go to yourjoyologist.com. I'm at yourjoyologist on Instagram. For more on Sophie. Her website is thephilosophy.com where you can get her superfood brand. She also shares so many videos, recipes, so much good stuff. And on Instagram, she is at sophie.jaffe. Her and her husband, Adi, have an awesome podcast called Ignited, which I was a guest on. I will link to these things in the show notes, which you can always find at yourjoyologist.com slash podcast. Also, yeah, Sophie and I mentioned a few years back, we collaborated on an e-cookbook, which means you can download it. You can find that on either of our websites in the shop area. It's called Nourish, 40 recipes that taste good, nutrient dense. They are plant-based and gluten-free, but you don't have to follow that lifestyle to love the cookbook. Um, And also our recipes are fairly like pretty easy because we're both the same types. It's like, we want good food. We want it to taste good. Uh, and we won't, don't want it to take all day <laughs> to shop for it and make it. We just want to enjoy it and get that good stuff. And also remember, you can go to my shop and get the same keychain that Sophie picked out or anything else, oh, affirmation deck, mugs, journals, all sorts of good stuff. So that's just hit the shop link. And remember, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. If you do do that, you can screenshot it and email it to me at yourjoyologist at yourjoyologist.com. <laughs> 
seems complicated, but it's just yourjoelogist at yourjoelogist.com. Send me the screenshot and each week I am picking one person's review to send you a box full of goodies from my kick-ass affirmation-based product line. And I'm going to leave you with this last thought. What are you claiming for yourself right here, right now? Because it is up to us to claim our joy, to claim our worth, to claim our value, to claim our enoughness, to claim our dreams, to claim this moment and every single moment for ourselves, no matter what's happening on the outside. All right. So think about that. And please share this. Tag me and Sophie. Let's get more people on this train to claim it.